you ever wished you could just grab coffee with a top leader in your direct sales company and pick her brain about all the things? Well, you're in luck. My name is Tiffany Spees. Welcome to Directly Different, the podcast where I have conversations with top direct sales leaders and ask them to share what they're doing differently to help them achieve success in their businesses. Direct sales doesn't have to feel spammy or gross. You can absolutely find success in your business by doing things a different way. I want you to feel empowered and inspired to be, well, different. Welcome to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Directly Different. Today we are talking about copywriting and how it is essential to running a successful social selling business. If you're not exactly sure what copywriting actually is, as our guest this week, Sarah Noel, describes, it is words that sell things. Sarah is here to tell us all about what copywriting is, why it's important, and how we can up our copy game to stand out in a saturated market. Check out the links in the show notes to subscribe to Sarah's weekly newsletter, as well as find out how you can work with Sarah for all of your copywriting needs. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for being a guest on the Directly Different podcast this week. I'm so thrilled to chat with you about copywriting. This is like big girl stuff. So I, <laughs> I feel like it's very adult to talk about copywriting. It just sounds so oh, fancy. Yeah. So we're going to be really fancy today. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're going to have a lot of fun today and chat about copywriting and how we as social sellers can utilize this to grow our businesses. So thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thank you for having me. All right, to start off, tell us a little bit about you. So my name is Sarah. I am primarily a website copywriter, but also a marketing mentor. So I specialize in writing copy for websites. We'll talk about what copy is in a second. Uh, and I also educate people about how to become a copywriter, how to become better email marketers, how to become better website copywriters, how to do all of the things when it comes to writing your own copy. So that's a little bit about me and what I do. Awesome. Now, where are you from? Where do you live? I'm from Boston. Oh, Boston. So awesome. I've actually, we have it on our bucket list to take the kids to all those historical sites. Oh, historical yeah. sites. We're watching National Treasure right now and they are mm -hmm. obsessed. So <laughs> we're going to make it there someday and do all that stuff. I have okay, visited Boston. Yes. Oh, I will for sure hit you up for that because we, I've been there before, but very briefly and would love to go back and explore. So and I'm sure it is beautiful in the spring and summer there. Oh my God, gorgeous in the spring. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, Sarah, how did you get into copywriting? And like, is this a field that you've always been interested? Have you always worked in this? What did you go to college for? Like, tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Oh, girl, I will tell you, I have no background in copywriting at all. I actually always joke that I have a degree in everything but marketing. So I like to share this fact whenever I can, because it's not usually relevant. One of my biggest copywriting tips is actually to not say the things that you want to say, but instead say what your audience needs to hear. So I always use the example of how I don't usually tell people I have three bachelor's degrees, even though I really want to. Like that's something I want to brag about so bad, right? So I have three bachelor's degrees in political science, sociology, and criminal justice, and I have minors in philosophy and paralegal studies. Um, and that sounds like a big deal, right? That sounds impressive. Yeah. Nothing to do with marketing. <laughs> that's why I always joke, oh, I have a degree in everything but marketing. So the story of how I got started is actually a unique one. So 
a couple of years ago, about four years ago now, I needed a remote job. So I was moving to Canada with my ex-husband. He's Canadian. Uh, and we were going up there to live closer to his family. We have a toddler together and we wanted to live up there for a little while. And obviously I could not work in Canada. I don't speak French well enough to be able to do that. And all of the degrees that I have you can't really get a remote job in any of those fields. Like what remote job was I getting in political science? Probably nothing, especially in Canada. I don't know anything right. about that. Like I'm from Boston. So my options were not work at all or get a remote job. So I was like, all right, cool. Let me scour LinkedIn, see what I can find. And maybe just like won't say anything. Cause I didn't know how long we were going to live in Canada. I wasn't going through the whole like citizenship process up there. We were just trying it out to see if we liked it. And then I was going to, you know, make a more permanent decision after about where we wanted to live. So I was looking for remote jobs, looking for something in the field that I had gone to school for. I'd worked at law firms for years and years before college, during college, after college, and I was sick of it. I hated it. They were miserable. They were mean. I was over it. So I was looking for remote jobs, finding absolutely nothing. And then I just decided, okay, what am I good at? Like, what's something I actually like to do? Because this is my opportunity now where it doesn't really matter what I look for or like if I fail at it, because it, it's going to be fine either way. Like I'm moving to a different country, who cares? So I started to look for remote writing jobs because I always loved writing. I had this like vision of myself being a writer in a home office with a desktop computer, just typing all day. Like that's what I wanted to do for work, but that felt too scary to me. I was somebody who really wanted a like solid paycheck, a good salary, like a very, you know, middle of the road, like easy, not easy, but like easy to succeed at, like a clear path to success type of job. So I was like a lawyer. Great. I love arguing. I'm good at studying. Like research doesn't scare me. I'm not scared of public speaking. Like I'm down to be an aggressive attorney. I'm like not scared of the workload or anything like that. I'm like, I'm going to make money this way. Like I said, they're miserable people. <laughs> so I was not trying to be one of those. I remember the exact day I decided not to to pursue a career in law. I had worked as a legal secretary and the woman I worked for asked me to enter her time for her. And she had billed 13 hours on a Sunday, which means she probably actually worked like 17 or 18 hours mm. on that day. Of course, every hour you work is not a billable hour to a client. And she had three kids in a lake house. And I was like, woman, what are you doing? I never want to do that. So then I started to question my entire life. And, but then, you know, my life was decided for me when I, this move to Canada happened and I just was along for the ride. So back to my story, I'm scouring LinkedIn, decided to look for writing jobs, found nothing other than the word copywriter everywhere. And I was like, what the hell is that? So I Googled what is copywriting? And I was like, oh, I've been doing that in some previous positions before. I just didn't know it was called that. I could totally do that. Taught myself everything. Didn't spend $1, literally used freebies, blogs, YouTube videos, books from the library, taught myself everything. That was summer. And by fall, I'd had my first clients by the winter of that year. My husband at the time was able to quit his job to stay home with our toddler because he was costing me too much money to go to work. So that's how I got into it. Completely random, totally accidental. Funny that I ended up in a freelance career when I adamantly was like, absolutely not. I need a solid check. Like I am stressed. I need health insurance. Like I do not want to be freelance. And now I cannot imagine ever working in an office ever again. Like that is absolutely not. So that's how I got into the field. And because I know your lovely listeners are wondering what in the world is copywriting. I'll tell you. Yes. Thank Copy you. Is just words that sells things. A lot of people think that I actually am a copyright attorney, which is so funny because I was like aggressively trying not to be an attorney. And now everyone thinks that's what I do. So it's not the little C with the circle around it. That's copyright, R-I-G-H-T. And we're talking about writing, like writing a story. 
And like I said, copy is just words that sells things. So any you you see copy every day in a commercial, on an ad, on the back of your oat milk bottle, like everything that you buy or everything that you think about buying has copy on it, or there was copy written for a script for it. Um, and it's just how to get your readers or your viewers to take your desired action. Isn't that funny how we we don't think about that? We just don't, yeah, no. we just, we see something and we're like, oh, cool. But somebody had to write that. <laughs> and that somebody is you. It's so crazy. I love it. I never even thought about that either. Like you don't think, oh, that's a job that somebody does. A lot of people even encounter that when they're struggling to write their own copy. Like a lot of people who maybe need a website copywriter, which is what I do, or an email copywriter, or a product description copywriter. They're just sitting there like, uh, this sucks. I don't want to write this. And they don't even realize it's a job that somebody's out here doing that for them. That's so true because we think we have to do it all, our, all ourselves. We have to yeah. figure it out, but there are people like you who can take that off our plates. I love it. Yep. And you're right. You're so right. I, a couple of times writing the word copywriting, I had to, yep. in my brain, differentiate writing, W-R-I-T-E, yep. and then R-I-G-H-T. So funny. I love that. That people mix that up. It's great. Everyone makes that mistake. And whenever I educate about it too, because sometimes I'll be, you know, hosting an event. Like last night, the night before we were recording this, I hosted an event for my chamber of commerce and I stood up and was like, okay, like you guys all know me. You probably don't have any idea what I do because nobody understands until I explain. <laughs> I write words that sell things and everyone's like, oh, right. Okay. Yes. I love it. And you know, even though you don't have a background in social selling, I, there are so many parallels to, from your story to someone who might be in social selling, because you know, you, you're looking around like, what am I going to do? I have to do something to bring in yeah. income, but I don't necessarily want to leave my house to do that. What can yeah. I do? What what skills can I apply to the field? I'm going to mm -hmm. teach myself this, teach myself that. So I just, I love all the parallels. It's amazing. Oh yeah. I don't have to go anywhere if I don't want to. I no. can be a hermit forever. No, it is 2023. We do not have to leave our house houses ever <laughs> <laughs> for any reason <laughs> at all. All right. So why is copywriting, in your opinion, why is copywriting so important and so vital for any business owner? Obviously, we have to sell things as, you yeah. know, whether whatever kind of business you're in, even if you're in social selling. So many people in social selling will say, you know, when they're talking to somebody who's thinking about joining a company, they'll say, well, you don't, you don't sell stuff, you share stuff, which is you do share it, but you do also sell it. You have to sell things yeah. in order to have a business. So why is copywriting so vital to what small business owners do in order to grow their businesses? Well, without copy, you can't convince anybody to do anything. Like imagine trying to run your business with no words at all. The mm -hmm. words that you use to describe what you do, who you are, who you help, what you have to offer, what the benefits of the things that you're selling are, anything that you're using to explain any message that you're sharing, that's copywriting. So you're writing copy every day, probably without even realizing it. And you wouldn't be able to run your business without it, or at least not successfully. So it's extremely vital. <laughs> yes. So we need to learn how to do this and to do this well in order to separate ourselves from the competition, essentially. Yeah, that's your differentiator. The things that you say, the message that you share, but your copy is often how you make an impression on people, especially a first impression. So like I said, I specialize in website copy, but this is true about anything, your website or your social media or you know your email list, whatever it is, whatever that first point of contact is, whenever somebody comes across your brand, it's like a first date. What are you going to say on this first date to make them want a second one? Same thing with copy. What are you going to say to them to make them want to keep reading, to make them want to take your desired action? That's why you need it so bad. Yes. 
All right, let's translate this to social selling. So can you tell us more about how intentional copywriting can help us as social sellers grow our businesses and attract more sales and even more team members and, you know, just grow our businesses in general? How can we specifically use this in our industry to help us? I think in your industry and honestly, every industry, story-based copywriting is so important. And a lot of people don't realize that all people want to do is have a conversation with another human. So implementing the conversational elements of copywriting is going to be vital to the success of your business because you're trying to make a connection. You can't inspire somebody to take an action that you're hoping that they'll take if they have no interest in you or you're working with you or seeing what's possible for you and what's possible for them through making that connection with you. Yes. So true. And I think that we social sellers tend to do this when we get online, we hop on social media and we start talking about our products. This product does this, 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 but like you said, we're not looking for that or humans aren't looking for that. They're looking about how it can help them, how it can benefit their lives, how it just, they're looking for that human connection, like you said. And so if we can tweak certain things, we can still talk about the benefits of a product, but bring in the human element versus listing and benefits, posting a corporate graphic, and then wondering why we're not growing and our businesses aren't exploding. Nothing for people to relate to you over that. Like if you were to talk about, I don't know which products you're selling, but if you were to talk about, you know, this specific product and how it helped you, you're going to want to start with that story first. So people are more bought in. People are 22 times more likely to remember a story that they heard over just a fact or a statistic about something. And honestly, nobody cares. Readers and followers and viewers, however you're planning on marketing this product and this team of yours, they're selfish. They don't care about you or your product until they find out what's in it for them first. That's what they're going to be interested in primarily. And then once they're bought in, either because they're interested in a story that you're going to tell because you have a really good hook. Example, I send a weekly newsletter every week and I always try to start off with a story because I know that's what my subscribers are hoping for from me, what they like the most about me. So If I want to share a specific message every time I think of what's going to be the thing that makes somebody interested in hearing this message. And oftentimes for me, it's the feeling or the common feeling between the story and the thing I'm trying to promote. So I'll give you an example so you can implement it for your own business. I am a website copywriter. So a lot of my clients are looking to either refresh their website or get a new website because there's It's like just fine, right? But fine isn't good enough. However, sometimes you often feel like you have to keep something just because you spent money on it. And you're like, oh, well, you know, this three people sweater was really expensive. Like it doesn't look the best on me and I don't feel the most confident when I wear it, but like it was $120. Like I have to wear it. So I wanted to use a sentiment like that to illustrate the point of like, no, but it's not fine though. Like you don't feel confident in it. You don't feel good about it. You don't want to leave your house wearing it, whatever. So I could have used that example. I just made that up. But the example that I used in my newsletter was I had gone to a chamber of commerce event. I was dying for a vodka Sprite all day. I'm not even a big drinker like that. It was just one of those weeks. And I just knew like the crisp Sprite and Tito's combination was going to burn my esophagus and I couldn't (laughs) wait. So I was dying for it all day. I go to this event and this guy that I'm, you know, friendly enough with, I don't really know him that well, had come up to the group of people I was standing with. And he was like, hey guys, anyone want to drink? And I was like, oh my God, yes, please. I would love a vodka Sprite. I'll get the next one. Like, thanks so much. He comes back with an eight ounce glass, like a, you know, regular drink glass 
full to the brim with a little straw, clear liquid. I'm like, perfect. I take a huge sip of it. The whole thing is straight well vodka. Disgusting. Like he was looking at me with such an unsure smile when he handed it to me too. And I was like, why is he looking at me like that? Probably because he thought I was a psycho who ordered a vodka ice and not a vodka. Right. I don't even know how they legally were able to pour that much Cheetos in a cup. It was disgusting, but I had to drink it because I felt awkward. I was like, well, this man just spent this money on me. Like now I feel uncomfortable that, that this much money was spent and it's like, okay, like I guess I'll drink it. Meanwhile, I was dying and feeling like I was drinking rubbing alcohol and I had to ditch it like on a random table somewhere when he wasn't looking. So I related that to like, you were looking forward to this thing and you wanted this one result, but then you felt you made an investment. You felt like you had to, cause it was uncomfortable or you didn't want to hurt that person's feelings. You know, the designer you worked with, or you made a big investment in something. And now you're left with this result. That's like, okay, but it's not what you really wanted. And now you're going to have to, again, like I was going to have to go order another drink, just like you again, are going to have to go get another mediocre website. So I always take the common feeling that I'm trying to evoke and see which story I can use to connect that to the thing I'm trying to promote. Or if I have something I'm trying to promote, then I'll think, okay, how am I feeling or how is my ideal client feeling about this specific thing? What story can I use to illustrate that point for them? So I think that's something that you can use in anything, in your captions, in your reels, in your videos, in your emails, if you do email marketing or on your website, if you have one, um, and thinking about what's going to help somebody relate to you and why they would be interested and engage with or be entertained by a specific story. And then from that story, you've got them hooked, they're interested, then you can talk about, so there's this thing. Like I could give you a hundred examples of times that I've done that. I love that example too, because people might not have experienced that exact situation with the eight ounce yeah. vodka on the rocks, but not. yeah, right. But they can absolutely relate to the feeling of getting something they didn't expect, but then having to pretend that they liked it or pretend that they were yeah. okay with it. We all can relate to that. We all can think of an example right now exactly. of how that has happened, how that has happened. So I love that you connected that to what you were trying to chat about in your newsletter and just evoking that emotion in somebody like, Oh, I've been there. I, I relate to that. Oh, I, I hate that feeling. How can we yep, that change was this? One of my top three newsletters last year. If you want to see more examples, by the way, of that, you can subscribe to my newsletter. I have a whole archive. I'm on week at this time of recording 126 weeks straight that I've sent this newsletter. So it's between the lines, copy.com slash subscribe. And I'm sure Tiffany would love to put that in the show notes for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 126. That's incredible. I, that's amazing. And it goes to show you that we have stuff to talk about. Oh yeah. <laughs> you've talked about a I different story about. For, <laughs> for 126 weeks. You've talked about something, you know? And so I think yeah. that's a lot of times, a lot of times too, we'll say, well, I have nothing to, I have no stories. I have nothing. I've told myself that I have no stories. Yeah. I have nothing to say, but it's everyone says that. Yes. You know yes. what I have to say about that? Actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm sure some people are listening to like, okay, sick. Like she's a copywriter though. People say this to me all the time. Well, of course you have a weekly newsletter. Of course you did it for 126 weeks. Of course you have stuff to say. You never shut up. You're an oversharer. What do you mean? <laughs> like I'm, I'm a more private person. I don't want to tell people about the awkward time that I got the vodka spray or I don't want to tell people how much my dental bills are or like about the matching tattoo I got in a first date with the boy. Like these are all things I'm writing my newsletter about, but you don't have to. People always say like, oh, but my life's not exciting like that neither is mine. If I have to talk about a guy handing me a drink at a chamber of commerce event, do you think my life is exciting? Absolutely not. I have like two exciting stories that existed in my newsletter, but the way that I talk about them makes them engaging because I'm using like 
ridiculous details and I'm making things sound specific. Like I don't just say sandwich. I would say like fluffernutter. I don't just say like vodka Sprite. I say like the crisp alcohol burning my esophagus. You know what I mean? Like I exaggerate things a little bit to make them more relatable, but if you're sitting there thinking like I have nothing to say. Two pieces of advice. The first is people like boring content. Like nobody wants to hear me talk about how I worked with an Olympic medalist and a Broadway producer and a million follower influencer and helped them make hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like that makes me sound cool, but you don't care. Like that's not relatable to you. You would so much rather hear about my root canal. Like you would so much rather hear about my toddler telling me to take his socks off and then calling me a a blank blank words I can't say on this podcast at age four. Like, you know what I mean? Like he would... Or he would, you, he doesn't read my newsletter, thankfully, (laughs) but you would so much rather hear about the things that humanize me than like the things that make me sound cool. Cause you're just going to be, be jealous if I'm sounding cool all the time. I don't want to read that. I want to read about like how you didn't shower in three days. So writing about the things that humanizes you converts better, gets you better results, makes people like you more, but also is easier and helps you with the whole, I don't have anything to say. Like you could say literally anything. I'm not kidding you. I could think of on the spot right now, 12 different things that have happened to me today that I could write in my newsletter. And all I did was drop my son at daycare, come to the library, write some client work and go on this podcast. And I could still think of things. But the second piece of advice that I have is when you said, oh, well, you've been doing this for 126 weeks straight and you have something to talk about. It made me think of this. I am, my calls to action are the same almost every time. Like I only have at the maximum, what, like six calls to action, maybe like buy my website copy template or use my discount code for this or work with me on this or sign up for my course. You know what I mean? I don't have that many things to say. My calls to action don't really ever change. I'm always either talking about website copywriting, talking about email marketing, or talking about, I don't know, maybe blogging sometimes or talking about, you know, affiliate codes that I have. That's it. But I have 126 different ways to talk about those specific things. And you can really break down the benefits that you're sharing of the specific products that you're selling, no matter what. Like if you have one product, I'm sure it has, let's say five different benefits of it. Take that one benefit. Why would that person care about that one benefit? There's probably 20 reasons. You know what I mean? Like you can really, really break it down and simplify it. So you don't always have to be saying the same thing. I love that. It makes it a lot simpler because it could be overwhelming to think, okay, well, I have to, you know, okay, do I have to talk about 126 different products or 126 different things about my business? No, like you said, just a handful of things, make it simple and just divide it out different ways. Exactly. I, I did hear recently, I read something because people do always say, again, I've said it, I'm so boring, but talk about that. Be like, I'm boring because people relate to that because everybody thinks they're boring. And if you don't think you're boring, then you're probably not sitting around wondering what to write. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. Everybody thinks that they're boring. But those stories that you have, those awesome stories that you have about, you know, like you said, you've worked with high caliber clients. Yeah. When you tell those stories, that that kind of makes you unrelatable. You know, not that, yeah. you know, I'm sure people would enjoy hearing about those occasionally too. But when that, when you come at them with that, like, well, look what I've done. It's like, oh, wow, I'll never do that. Yeah, exactly. It kind of takes them out of the story and taking your reader out of the story is something that you really try not to do. The only time I would reference something like a big deal like that is if I'm like talking about a portfolio piece and I'm like, look at this website that I made, you know what I mean? And I'm selling like my services because they're not cheap. So I use it strategically in terms of like what I'm trying to promote and who I'm talking to. But 
I get the best responses to my email newsletter. And the reason I keep talking about that is that's, like I said, my main marketing channel, I haven't posted on Instagram in like seven weeks and I don't have to because my website is good and my emails are good. Uh, and my blog does the work for me. But I talk about these things so often and they always have a different response. Like I could talk about reasons why you need website copy in 20 different ways. And I would get responses from different subscribers every time. You never know which message is going to resonate with someone. Like this morning I sent the weekly news that I sent this week. It was about my dental bills uh, and my unfortunate experience needing so many root canals. Um, I sent that to somebody that I follow because I knew she would think it was funny. And I didn't know if that if she had read it yet or not. And she said that coffee came out of her nose. She goes, thank you for making coffee come out of my nose this morning. It was so funny. But maybe she wouldn't, you know, last week she didn't say that. <laughs> maybe she didn't think last week's was funny. I get a different response every time. So that's why it's important to continue to tell different stories and share different details because you never know what's going to resonate with someone or be the reason that somebody reaches out to you finally. Yes. And think about the emails that we get on a daily, multiple times a day, daily basis. Yeah from different establishments, whether it's big box stores or whatever. And they'll try different ways to say the same thing. And you click on read email for different reasons, you know, depending yeah. on what it might be. And so whatever resonates, it could be something different. Like you said, each day it could be something different. And there's nothing wrong with trying this over and over and over again to see to see what works because we do need lots and lots of touch points in order to make that sale or establish that relationship, further that connection in some way. So you can't underestimate that. I know we've kind of talked a little bit about this, but what are some essential elements of a well-written caption or email or post? And can you give a quick example of maybe a poorly written one versus a well-written one? So I usually am against like a formula to do it because everybody has their own voice. Everybody has their own way of writing. I would say the number one thing you need to know is it's not that deep right? It's not that serious. Of course, you have goals, you have things that you're trying to strategically share and promote, and you have, you know, actions that you want people to take. But at the end of the day, remembering that it's a conversation and not a billboard is like my number one tip. You're trying to chat with people. You're trying to talk to one person on the other side of the screen who's going to read what you're saying. So first thing you want to do is hook them in. That's why you need a really good hook. If you go to my Instagram, it's just at BTL copy. You'll see my most recent post. I, by the time this episode is up, like I said, I probably still wouldn't have posted on Instagram. I referenced getting a tattoo with somebody on a first date. I literally, let me pull it up right now. I literally started that post off both in the picture, like on Instagram and the caption. I saying, so I got matching tattoos with a boy on our first date. And I'm telling you the entire story in my newsletter. You're telling me you're not going to subscribe to that. Of course you are. And just in case you skipped over that, the caption begins with potentially the most unhinged story I've ever told in my newsletter. Are you subscribed? If you weren't, you're about to be because who wouldn't want to hear about that? So starting off with a reason why they should keep reading is always important. And then I would say, simplifying things so it's easy for people to understand like nobody wants to read a big long paragraph of a caption make sure you're hitting enter after like every sentence or two use emojis or like little indicators that you you know of a list or something like that uh use caps lock if you have to hit enter like i said often so people actually care about reading it because if they click on a caption it's a big long essay like sorry but they're scrolling right past you so i would say highlighting the most important points is key. And then also if we're talking about Instagram, carousels are really great for 
readability, that skimmability factor and the things that people actually are going to care about. So that's obviously just when you have a cover photo and then you use up to 10 photos and you can, you know, continue to slide them over and share information that way. I think a lot of people are gravitating towards that because people like the action of like clicking that next button or scrolling through those photos. And then you can share them on your story as well for even more visibility. But terms of a caption, like I said, start with a hook, make sure you're sharing information in a skimmable way that people care about and use the language that you know your audience is comfortable reading. Like don't use any fancy, crazy words. Don't try to be like super professional if that's not authentic to you at all. Just say the things that they want to hear and the things that they need to know in the way that they say them. So I know that my ideal clients talk exactly like me. I do not want to work with any like stuffy, boring people who clutch their pearls when I'm swearing. So I will be swearing in my copy. Like you will see the same person in my copy and on your discovery call and throughout your project at every touch point. So that's what you want to make sure to do. If somebody's going to be working closely with you or buying something from you or joining your team, they don't want to see a different person completely than who you are on social media. So I think just remaining authentic to yourself, finding a way to hook them in, giving them a reason to keep reading. And it doesn't have to be anything crazy, like getting a matching tattoo on a first date. <laughs> it can be, you know, another post I have, I say, stop telling people to join your email list. Of course, you're wondering why is Sarah telling me to stop saying that? Isn't she like email marketing girly? Why wouldn't I, what? And you're going to want to know why I'm saying that. And then of course the spoiler alert, why I'm saying that is because you need to give people a reason to subscribe. So saying things that are going to make people want to keep reading. That's your goal of every line of copy is to just get people to read the next one. Yes. And I like the tip about simplifying. I know that's something because we do sometimes when we do have an idea, we are inspired. Oh, I got to share the story. And then we share the whole story. Well, we could also break it up into little parts and spread yeah. that out over a month. You know, exactly. that would be great. Series. Yes. And so I've been trying myself because I can be long winded. So I've been trying to do that with my, when I'm writing things out, trying to, okay, what is the basic, how can I get to the point quickly yes. and just share the basics, the, the basic information they need, they need to know. It's a need to know thing. Like they don't need to know yeah. everything about this, but be succinct, right? Yeah. People don't expect you to be as direct as you are. So I find that when you're writing copy, if you say literally exactly what they're trying to say, when I ask my clients, okay, explain to me what you do. And now tell me like, I'm stupid. That is the answer that I want. People like and appreciate when you just say it so many times in a kickoff call, I've been with my clients who are writing their website copy for them. Uh, and I ask them something like that, you know, what do you want your ideal clients to feel when they're on your website? Or like, how, what's the main action you want them to take? Or what's the number one thing that makes you different or that you want to know about them? No matter what I'm asking, their answer is always, well, I wish I could just say, and then they say some really great answer. And I'm like, why not though? Why can't we say that? There's no rules and there's no reason why we can't say that. And every time that I have, it's converted a million times better than what they had said, been saying previously. I just worked with a wedding planner who was like, I really wish I could just freaking say, I don't want to plan your cousin's wedding. Like I'm sick of going to the same wedding over and over again. So on her website, it literally says you can go to it's maddenmadeevents.com. Um, you can go right to her services page. You'll see it says, are you sick of going to the same wedding over and over again? Same rubbery chickens, same boring greenery on the table, probably planned from the same Pinterest board from 2018. Like she just said that. And now she's getting inquiries from people that are way more aligned with her than ever before, because she was willing to just actually say the things that people wanted her to say and the things that people are already thinking. That's how do you unlock some really good copy? Just say what they're already thinking. You know what it is. You know who you want to work with. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that example too, because she could have very well, and maybe she had this on her previous website, but she could have said like, 
I want to help you plan the wedding of your dreams. Well, everybody says that. Yeah, she would never say that. Right. She's literally saying this is not the best day of your life. Like she's saying because it's not, it shouldn't be. You want every day after that to be the best day of your life. Um, So she's saying the things that people actually already feel and it's working for her way better than it did before. And that's not to say she wasn't doing great before she was. So it's really impressive that she could even be doing better because she was already killing it even before she had this great copy. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It it really just brings the human element. It's like yes. having a conversation with a website. Yeah. <laughs> and and now people feel like they know her. Yes. Literally, I always say websites are not billboards, they're conversations. Same with social, same with email. Yes. Yeah. We need to stop being so formal, you know? Yeah. Oh my God. I am queen of, can we ditch that? I, I So I've had randomly a lot of speaking engagements this week. I've been educating in person a lot. Uh, just, you know, through my network, people have been asking me and you give me a microphone and I get an ego. So I'm there. So I've been telling people, you do not have to be as professional as this weird random guidebook we all decided on and like unanimously agreed exists, which I wish I could tell you who is the person that told us we all had to be professional. You can be yourself and still be professional at the same time. My dad is stressed every Tuesday morning when he reads my newsletter, like, oh my God, I can't believe you told people you had ADHD. I can't believe you told people about the matching tattoo. I can't believe you told people you didn't shower for two days. I can't believe, insert literally anything I've ever said. And he's like, you're going to lose all your clients and all your money and have to move back into my dad, please. The people love it. The people are dying for it. The people want a part two to the story because you don't have to work with the stuffy people. I don't want to work with them. So once you know who your audience is and you've been able to unlock that, you know, this is a thing we have in common. You can market to them so much more effectively and you don't have to try to put on this weird persona of this person that you're not. Mm, yeah. I love that. And it makes things so much easier and makes things so yeah. much simpler and faster. And when you're, when you're not trying to be someone that you're not. So yeah. I mean, that's what you just said, but <laughs> I know I'm a queen of saying something and then somebody agreeing with me, me, me being like, yeah, I agree. Like not even realizing that it's my own point. My friends are like, Sarah, can you shut up? You're the one who said that. <laughs> I should have just had you do this whole episode on your own. I didn't. I, didn't <laughs> I could, girl. Give me the mic. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I love that. Love the confidence. All right. So are you ready to dive into the next topic? Oh, boy. I well, am. I know you're ready, but. <laughs> All right. So what are your thoughts on AI? I know that's a buzzword. And we are, you know, we're starting to hear it more and more, especially in the area of social selling. I know I'm, I'm sure you've heard it a lot in your area of business too, but what are your thoughts on AI in using it for copywriting? Do you think that there is a place for this tool in our businesses? I definitely think there's a place for the tool. And I like the way that you posed that question because it really is just a tool. So in my industry and like speaking about writing anything in general, people are nervous that they're, the robots are coming for my job, right? People are like, oh my God, what if we don't need copywriters anymore? What if what if our, we go extinct? Like, what if we become the new self-checkout? Like, how are we ever going to pivot away from this? Like, how are we going to make ourselves useful? But the one thing that AI doesn't have that humans do is the ability to tell stories, the ability to add personality, the ability to get to know an audience and then say the things that they want to say. So all the tips I was just giving you, AI could, if I wanted it to, write a blog post about 10 reasons why you need a website, but they don't know 10 reasons why Tiffany needs a website. They don't need, they don't know the 10 reasons why your website, you know, being written with a story-based element is really important. You know what I mean? Robots don't know as much as we think they do. They're just taking and regurgitating all of the information that they have on the internet and giving the best possible answer. Like that's what their algorithm is trained to do. So of course, 
it's a great tool for research. Let's say I really was writing a blog post about 10 reasons why you need a website. Maybe I would type that into ChatGPT to see what the robots are telling me the reasons are. And then I would be able to decide, oh, sure, I forgot that point, or that's a good point, or I like the way that they post you know, that specific tip. I'm going to use that one. Or I would be able to say, oh, this is what the internet is saying. Like, well, they forgot this big, huge point. Let me, let me make sure I add that one. So I will use it for research. I'll use it to make sure I didn't forget something. But Something you have to be careful of when you use AI is you can only ask it questions you already know the answer to. If I was going to say like formula for rocket science, I don't freaking know the answer to that. So I would never be able to verify its credibility or its accuracy at all. So I couldn't take that answer and actually apply it. But because I'm an expert in website copywriting, I could ask it questions about that. And then I would be able to tell, okay, yeah, sure. I know that's the right answer, uh, but there's no personality in it. So it's never good enough for a finished product in my opinion, but it is a great starting point. If you need like idea generation, I used it the other day to generate some ideas for an interview that I was hosting. Um, I typed it in there so I could make sure I didn't forget any questions or just to see, you know, what another perspective was. It's great if you can put specifics in there so they can guarantee you, you know, the best results, but I wouldn't rely on it as anything more than a starting point or a research tool. I'm glad you said all that because that's how I feel too, that it's, it is a really great, if you're stuck in a rut and you just need the juices flowing, you just need to have a little idea for something and you can just type Exactly. Like something I do for my existing clients when I already work with them in like a more intensive capacity, like website copy or email marketing, they'll often ask me to write blogs for them. So sometimes I do that. And when I write blogs for people, I give them additional titles to the blog post. So maybe I'll throw that into chat GPT, see like 10 more titles for this specific blog post. Cool. That maybe would have taken me 10 minutes. Now it took me one. Great. But it's not a replacement for the actual strategic work that I'm doing. Yes. So it's not going to replace us. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Not today. That's right. Not today. Maybe in a hundred years. Yeah. Eventually it'll be able to learn a brand voice and it can give you better results and more specific results, but it won't be able to interview your clients for you and ask the specific questions that you want to ask and the things that you need. You know what I mean? Like as a copywriter, I'm able to ask the follow-up questions that I know are going to get the best answer so I can write the best copy. And everybody has a different target audience. Like if I were to type in their website copywriter for, you know, a figure skating Olympian, one of my clients, that's going to be a completely different formula for Ashley, the Olympian than for any other figure skating Olympian. You know what I mean? Like they have a different personality and there's no way a little robot could figure that out. No, there's no way. Little robots. Little robots. <laughs> little robots. Take that. <laughs> and like you said, it the stuff that chat GPT will spit out is stuff that you could Google on your own. It just kind of compiles yeah. it. And so exactly. you have to remember that. It's not like revealing something that's so yes, brand new breakthrough. Crazy thing. It's right, just right. getting the internet for you, which is really helpful. Like that is, is a way more helpful too than sifting through all of these potential posts together. But I kind of feel like I'm still doing that. Like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I don't trust it as much as I maybe should. Like I look for the answers, but then I'm still kind of reviewing blogs and articles and stuff to see. That's right. It's just another layer of research. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Well, I'm glad we're on the same page on that. <laughs> All right. So Sarah, tell us a little bit about the services that you offer small business owners, maybe in particular, if someone, you know, listeners are mostly in social selling, what services would you offer to somebody in social selling looking to add somebody like you onto their, onto their support team? 
So as a copywriter, like I said, I do a bunch of different things. Specifically, I, I work on website copy, email marketing, and then occasionally content writing. But I think what maybe would be the most beneficial for your audience is learning how to write better copy for yourself. So I offer website copy audits. So if you have a website or maybe a personal blog, and that's you know how you grow your audience, I happily audit that for you. Make sure that your message is consistent, cohesive. You're saying all the things that your ideal clients want to say. So that would be like my main service. But I actually have a lot of resources for you that you don't even need me for at all. So I have a website copywriting template. I have a website copywriting and content marketing course that teaches you not only how to write your website copy, but how to get more people to your website using blogging, email marketing, and SEO. I have an entire email marketing course. It's actually my most affordable like educational resource. And that teaches you how to get people on your email list and consistently email them every week. So they actually, you know, are engaged and are loyal, ready to buy readers, getting the right people on your list is really important. So that course goes over all of that, but I have a ton of free resources as well on my blog and in my newsletter. So I would start with heading over to betweenthelinescopy.com slash subscribe and getting yourself on my email list. And you can see all the good ways I can help you because I'm sure everybody has a different plan for marketing their business. But in my opinion, the sweet spot is website. You might not need a website, you might feel fine with social, especially in your um, line of work, but email marketing is a great way to continue the relationship with the reader because you can't guarantee that your followers are actually engaging with you. But email marketing, they're inviting you into your inbox and or into their inbox and they want your content. Like they are hoping that you will email them and they're looking forward to what you're going to send them on a consistent basis. And those are your hot leads right there. So I would recommend at least deciding on either email marketing as another option or starting maybe just a little personal blog just for a place for your content to live. So get on my email list if you want some help for free and I'll share my other offers with you there. I love that. And I, we talked about this before we started recording, but you said often people will mix up the letters of your Instagram and I'll put, of course, the oh links God. to all of this in the show notes, yeah. but people will call it BLT copy. <laughs> yeah. I am not a sandwich. I'm just a copywriter. So yeah, it's BTL for between the lines. So it's just at BTL copy on Instagram. If it's easier for you to go over there, the link in my bio has everything you would ever need, but subscribing to my email list will get you all the links to the good stuff, all of the links to, like I said, my previous 126 or more by the time you're listening to this newsletters. So yeah, there's a ton of ways to learn from me for free. I love that. Now, just to end things on a funny note, because I feel like this is a great way to end our conversation. If you were a sandwich and BLT, what Ooh. would be your favorite, uh, your favorite component of the BLT? <laughs> The favorite component of the BLT specifically? Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think, I would say the bread. That's not even in the, the BLT. Bread. Like, on the BLT. Interesting. Yeah. Oh my God. I love bread. I get that from my mom. My mom uh, identifies as a white toast. That's her <laughs> personal identity. She's a little bit plain, likes rules, like doesn't want to mix things up, anything crazy, but like old reliable. So yeah, she she identifies as a white toast and I've inherited that. Yes. Uh, that love. So I would say a BLT on a nice sourdough is what I would mm. identify if I were a toast, if you so. were a toast, you know what? You can't have a BLT without the toast. So I you can't have a BLT without the the first B, the silent no. B. The, right, that's the silent B. I would be not the tea. I hate tomatoes, so I I usually have a BL. So I would yeah, be the bacon because bacon is awesome. <laughs> but man, I don't know the bread. That's a that's a contender too. <laughs> That was a wild card answer. That was. This was a really fun way to end the conversation. I don't normally do that in, in an interview. Which but, sandwich they are. Right, right. But I felt, it just felt right. So I went with it. Yeah. And it was a way to connect, right? 
I feel that. See, there you go. I could yes. talk about now in a newsletter how I'm a BLT. There's a million different ways I could use that story to illustrate any point that I have. So if you yes. subscribe, maybe you'll see that story. Yes. And nobody is going to forget you <laughs> because they're going to remember it's not BLT, it's BTL. Okay. They're yes. going to remember it forever. So now we've just ingrained that into everybody's mind. <laughs> Love it. Well, thank you so much, Sarah, for being my guest this week and sharing about copywriting and how we can improve in that area and just how it is very essential for us to do that in order to grow our businesses. So thank you so much for sharing with us today. I of course. It. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for listening in to this week's episode. In my opinion, it's way more fun to share life with a friend. So if you loved what you heard today, feel free to take a screenshot and post it to your socials so your friends can listen into the show too. Don't forget to tag me at Directly Different Podcast and I'll be sure to give you a shout out. Speaking of social media, follow me on Instagram at Directly Different Podcast and send me a DM. I'd love to continue the conversation. I'll catch you guys in the next episode.